Hello and welcome to Smiling Politely with me, Aaron J. How you doing? So this is a podcast where I'm essentially testing new material and premises to seven people over the internet as opposed to seven people in a pub. I'll also be discussing topics and premises that have been suggested by you, the listener. So if there is anything you'd like me to talk about, rant about, rant about, rant about, in particular, please do send me a message on our socials. We're on Instagram, Smiling Politely Podcast. Please give us a follow, give us a like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. So, in the news this week, uh, non-league football games are allowed to have people go and watch them this season. Of course, socially distanced. I'm a big fan of non-league football myself. I like the way that the community gets involved with the team and supports the team. I also like the type of footballers you get at certain levels of non-league. I particularly like the ones that think they are professional. They're always good ones. You always see them on social media. They play for a local village team and they'll play their game and they'll say, great win today. Fans were unreal. Fans were unreal. What does that mean when you when you earn no money? Well, you earn like 50 quid playing for a football club. Fans were unreal. Does that just mean your dad didn't give you a bollocking in the car on the ride home? But also in the news this week, uh, apparently fat shaming is at an all-time high this year, which has caused a lot of people to be upset. I don't have a particular issue with fat shaming. I tend to get shamed for the opposite reason, because I'm really thin. Uh, I weigh 9 stone 10. Uh, my body is, is is something that isn't particularly appealing. Um, I have weird patches of hair over my bony frame. I look like someone sort of slid a glockenspiel across a barbershop floor. But I get that comments like that are like, like, oh yeah, you're really thin, aren't you? Or you don't eat a lot, are you? Or you're really bony, aren't you? And I sort of laugh it off because I don't think people view it in the same manner as fat shaming, but it does make me feel really self-conscious about my own body. But then again, like to the point that I would never get tattoos. I, I really like the idea of getting a tattoo, but I would never get a tattoo because I always think like people would see my thin, veiny, tattooed arms and just immediately assume I have a substance addiction. But I witnessed um, an argument that was where someone was accused of of fat shaming in a pub recently. Outdoors, of course, socially distanced measures are in place in a lot of these places. And the general rule of thumb is six people to a table. And there was a table of six people and one of the members of this group was um, trying to think of a good word to use. Um, disgusting, uh, disgustingly huge. He was he was a big, big, big guy. And basically because he took up so much room on the bench, it was like two benches either side of a table they had to pull a chair across from another table and the venue had clearly stated in the rules that that wasn't allowed and you're not allowed to move furniture. So they asked them to, to put the chair back, which then meant one of the people had to stand. And the larger person in the group took issue with this and said, you know, this isn't very good, you know, where's he supposed to sit? 
the rules say six people. It's not our fault that he can't fit on the benches. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not his fault he can't fit on the bench. It's your fault he can't fit on the bench. And he kept saying, you know, it's six people, it's six people, it's six people. I'd have just loved it if the guy went, look, mate, it's what do you want me to change the sign to? Six people or three of you. Those are the rules we're working with at the moment, mate. <laughs> I like the phrase as well. As I say, I'm very self-conscious about my body. Um, I like the phrase, worth your weight in gold. Like, I weigh nine stone ten, but I'm worth my weight in gold, which means I'm worth about 40 quid. But as I say, I have been to the pub. I've been to the pub a lot less frequently after lockdown as I was going before lockdown because I got into the habit when we started lockdown of drinking quite heavily at home and it's made me realise that I can be equally as sad at home as I am in a pub. So that's a win-win situation. And obviously other things that have been in the news this week, the A-level and GCSE fiasco um, was reported on BBC. Um, obviously if Gavin Williamson was to name that it would be called DDE. Um, but a lot of people are of course upset that, that they went through the, the psychological ordeal that they did due to the, the faux pas that the English, and I'm not going to say British because Scotland seemed to deal with it quite well, as did Wales, the English government's uh, decision to deviate from their original plan with the A-level results. And a lot of people got upset um, and, and a lot of people took to Twitter to discuss this. And, and it, was, it was really sad to see people not get into the universities they wanted. Um, I didn't get into the university I wanted to get to but that was my own fault um, I actually got B C D I needed A A A didn't get it didn't get in and I wish there was a pandemic for me to blame it on at the time that would have been good wouldn't it um, but I've recently purchased a new microphone so hopefully the sound is, is a little bit better. It requires three AAA batteries, whereas if Gavin Williamson was to name them, they would require three triple D batteries. So we're at the point now where we are on our theoretical questions. And this week's theoretical question is, would you rather spend the day doing TikTok dances with Jesse Lingard or get punched once in the face by Harry Maguire. Obviously, Harry Maguire has been in the news this week for punching a police officer in Mykonos and then attempting to bribe said officer to make it all go away, allegedly. Obviously, I don't know. And he is innocent until proven guilty. Um, apparently, authorities have investigated and the assault has been sent to VAR and a penalty was awarded to Man United. But it's weird though, isn't it? Like, uh, a lot of people are making jokes about how he's got no defence and it's his slab head on the chopping block. Um, what I think is, is, is a real shame is the fact that he's, he's a role model 
to a lot of people, you know, and, and he was a Man United captain. He was tipped to be one of the England captains at various points. And, you know, in England have a strong sort of history of having, a, you know, a role model as its captain. You know, you look back at some of the previous people that have had the armband. You've had Rooney's had it briefly. You've had people like John Terry, you know, real real characters, real real traditional English characters. So it's a shame that Harry Maguire has punched someone in the head. But obviously the question, would I rather spend a day doing TikTok dances with Jesse Lingard? And they would be published on, on social media. They're there for life. Or get punched once by Harry Maguire. Um, I suppose the, the thing about getting punched by Harry Maguire is you're only getting hit once. You know, whereas with with Jesse Lingard, I feel like the shame doesn't really leave you for a while. Yeah, I'm 20, 26 years old. I shouldn't really be, be dancing on my Instagram feed. But then again, obviously, Harry Maguire's a big guy. It's going to hurt. He's probably going to knock me out. Like, he's... He looks like he'd use me as a baseball bat to beat up a police officer. But then again, I have quite vicious mates. Obviously, a lot of my mates are comedians, so they're going to be going in quite hard on me for whatever dance I do. I also have no rhythm. I dance like a middle-aged woman. I do like a classic sidestep and a click of the fingers routine. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm the only person I know that gets the Casper slide wrong, and he's literally giving you the instructions. So I'd essentially be embarrassing myself to... Jesse Lingard's fan base but then again do I care what his fan base thinks about me I mean they're fans of Jesse Lingard so the, the IQ's not great is it I'm gonna say that I would rather get punched in the face once by Harry Maguire final answer joining me on the podcast this week is comedian and promoter and Norwich City enthusiast Mr Martin Westgate Martin, as well as being a fantastic comedian in his own right, runs the very successful Hoomer Comedy Club coming out of Norwich and Norfolk. Hoomer have just started to put gigs back on post-lockdown and Martin is running the very successful Giggles in the Garden where he has had two really good gigs from the bowling house in Norwich. It was really good to chat to Martin about how he got into comedy and how Hoomer has sort of taken off and snowballed into something that he didn't think it would become. It was really interesting talking to Martin. He's a lovely bloke, and I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed chatting to him. Martin Westgate, hello, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you, good, thank you. So, um, what have you been up to? Um, I mean, standard lockdown stuff, I think, just masturbating into uh into a sock really that's kind of kind of the aim um kind of the aim you've you've been yeah. building up towards it have you i think i think so i think i think this is what my life's goal is just to see how many i can crack out in a day um <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm still working from home i'm still getting getting paid so it's it's even better to do that so i can get get paid to wank i think that's every guy's dream isn't it i guess so i mean what's the record so far um on one hand uh, <laughs> well you are from norfolk so it could be a lot, <laughs> it could be a lot. <laughs> how about you how, how what have you been up to i've not been doing that oh, i'll put, uh, it, put it that way um i'm not trying to break any of your records <laughs> but um yeah standard lockdown stuff mate just 
pretending that I'm trying to keep fit. Definitely not. Have you have you tried any of the the fitness crazes? Any Joe Wicks or any home workouts? No, I mean I've I've got enough on my hands as it is, to be honest. And um, again, just carrying on the wanking jokes. Uh, no, I haven't really. I'm, I was I was supposed to do the marathon this year. So like before before we had all the corona business, I was I was training for the marathon. And I was doing all right. Um, and then like like with everything it got cancelled and then I just kind of went no I can't be asked so so there's no running you're not not training at all no and and obviously I've got a little one on the way and I, I think the, the reschedule of the marathon is is literally when little one will be a month old so I don't think I can probably sod off to London for a weekend to do a 26 mile run and justify <laughs> leaving her alone with a screaming child so um We'll put that on the back burners for now. Maybe, maybe another day. Maybe in a couple of years' time, we'll do the marathon or something like that. But um, yeah, that's gonna gonna find that hard trying to get back into the to the rhythm of running. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, especially the week after the marathon as well. Trying to deal with a one-year-old child on aching yeah. legs isn't gonna be isn't gonna be particularly useful for you. No, I, well, I got in trouble when I said that. I thought I was being like really nice, saying, "Well, I'm not going to be any good to you, am I? I'm, I'm going to be out of action for a week if I go and do the marathon." Basically, she went, "Oh, I'm expected to uh, to just crack on with parenting straight after giving birth." I'm like, well, you know, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I'm just just saying, I can't give me give you my full potential if my legs don't work. You're a horrible misogynist, Martin Westgate. <laughs> yep. So, for for those of the listeners that don't know you I assume they all do we know all of them so <laughs> you are a stand-up comic and promoter from Norwich you run Huma Comedy um tell me a little bit about your your journey into comedy how did you get into it well it's, I, th- I think it's probably standard stuff um you know I thought I was funny um had a look at over mic nights did one went okay and haven't really looked back since um it was weird. Like I was, I was probably writing jokes three or four years before I did my first gig. I was, I was working at home base at the time, and I, I bought a how to write joke book, um, and just sat there on my breaks writing stupid puns, and then carried that on. Um, I, I found I was living in Southampton at the time. I found a, a really nice open mic night um, called Pin Drop Comedy. Unfortunately, it's not around anymore, but it's a really nice one in Winchester. Um, did a five-minute spot. I, yeah, it went it went quite well as it as first gigs can go, and uh, just kept booking gigs really, and you know, gigged around the south coast where I lived down there, then moved back to Norwich. Um, I mean, you'll probably agree with this. There isn't a lot in this part of the world in terms of comedy in Norfolk and Suffolk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so really, to get stage time, it was a case of either travel which can get expensive or let's find someone to start something up. And and that's where, that's where Huma came into it. Basically no one else was booking me. So I thought I'd give myself stage time at least, um, um, which, which I'm sure lo- loads of promoters do and loads of yeah. people who book gigs do. It's just a way to at least guarantee yourself a gig a month or something like that. That's how it started. Well, at least I can get a gig a month, work on my jokes and then, you know, what will be, will be and progress to other stuff. Um, but yeah. And, that went well and Hume has kind of grown into its own animal a little bit in terms of becoming a bit bigger than me um which which is fine I'm not I'm not jealous of my own brand at all um 
but yeah, it's all, it's all going quite well at the moment until until lockdown. But but yeah, it's it's what it is. I've been doing comedy now for about four years, and Hume has been around for three, um, and it has become a big part of part of comedy in Norwich. I think Hume has, and and comedy itself has become a big part of of what I do and what I'm known as. Without sounding a bit a bit fluffy about it, but that's kind of a nutshell the journey <laughs> yeah I think even if I, I feel where you're coming from as well because I think even if I stopped doing comedy now and never did a gig again the social circle around me at home would always see me as the the comedian or the, the stand-up so yeah definitely it grows as, as a part of your personality certainly so how many gigs in were you before you did your first gig in Norwich and was that a Huma gig? Um, I was probably 20, 25 gigs in before I did a gig in Norwich because I was living down in the South Coast. So it was kind of South Coast or London I was gigging at. Um, and the first gig was actually um, Gonzo's, was um, Gonzo's Tea Room. They have a gig there um, run by uh, Nelson Gomba Gomba and Alex Oliver. Um, they still run it and they were running it at the time. And yeah, it was a case of just, I spent most of my time, I was, at the time I was studying to be um, uh, a deck officer in the Merchant Navy, but I spent most of my time researching open microbes instead of studying how to steer a ship. So, um, so that, that kind of says it, <laughs> says it all really. But um, yeah, no, I just found Gonzo's had a, had a comedy night. A few of my friends had been there to watch long before they realised I wanted to do stand-up. And um, I thought I'd go give that one a go. And again, it, it went all right and built a nice relationship up with, with Nelson and Alex and, and get booked there quite regularly, which is nice. And I think that's quite, um, quite a thing at the moment, that it is quite a nice scene in Norwich that we're all quite supportive. And I suppose, you know, extend that to groups, which as well, you know, we're all quite pally and, and we, you know, we all quite, you know, we book each other quite regularly. It's a nice, nice little circuit that we're building, which is, which is quite nice. Yeah, definitely. Nice quite a lot there, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, also, this will be the second podcast in a row where Nelson gets a mention and Gonzo's <laughs> get a mention, despite Nelson not being on the podcast. So there I mean, you go. He'll, he'll love that. He'll love being talked about us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you boost his ego I reckon his Nelson's uh, senses of tingling as as we speak about him um, <laughs> but that was I mean it's it's still a decent night comedy night and it has been for a while and they've consistently kept it at the venue and although they, you know they've changed nights and they've changed their budgets and who they book and stuff like that but it's always been a part of the Norwich circuit I mean humor is now kind of here there and everywhere but we never really stay at a at a venue and that's it's kind of deliberate because if we see audiences sort of dropping off it's kind of like well we've reached the the lifespan of that venue let's move on let's do something else whereas gonzo's that's probably the way um the owner runs the club as well and, and backs them they've kind of kept that going and um and yeah you know, fair enough they are a, an absolute sort of cornerstone of the Norwich scene and, and rightly so to be talked about in two podcasts in a row but no more that's it they don't get a hat trick that's it yeah I'll, I will no longer book Norwich comics for the, for the <laughs> podcast I'll leave it with you you can be the last one oh, there you go. <laughs> but obviously you spoke about moving venues once you've you've seen potential in in previous ones and potential in new ones obviously Huma are one of the first clubs certainly locally 
to be starting outdoor gigs again post lockdown yep. at the bowling house. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, bowling house was a venue that we'd done a couple of gigs at, and that was supposed to be our sort of our pro night, if you like. The, the venue, we were very lucky with that venue that they were going to put up a big budget and we're going to bring TV comics into, into Norwich to do club sets. So that was quite exciting. Um, and he's a really nice bloke, the owner, and um, and he's an independent. He's an independent bowling alley. So you can imagine, with everything gone on, the independent businesses are are probably the worst hit, other than the, you know the chains are kind of fine because they've got a big company backing them. But he, him, is on, on his own needed some sort of events. And, and until the first of August, they can't. They still can't do bowling in a bowling alley, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> But we, it was a nice outside space. Um, he's a really supportive um, venue. So we thought, let's let's do some outside comedy. Um, you know, we could do it safely, which is the, the main thing. Um, and it's gone really well. We, we had two dates on the 24th and the 25th of July. They were both fairly sold out. The first one definitely was sold out. We weren't far off for the second one. Um, and again, we had, you know, a, a nice bunch of local comedians on just to, to sort of say that we're back. We're not going to be full steam ahead because obviously we can't gig indoors and it'd be a big ask to run a weekly outdoor gig, I think. Um, but we're, we're definitely back and we're here to make you laugh for a little, for, until the second wave at least, until we have to go back indoors. <laughs> so I think, because I was speaking to, I think it was Louis Green, mm-hmm. who, again, this isn't the first time he's got a mention on a podcast <laughs> he wasn't on. As you can imagine, his senses are tingling too. But um <laughs> We were speaking about how is it going to be weird for potential audience members and punters to take the gamble on going back to live events and venues and things like that? Because there is, as you say, the risk of a of a second wave. It's the unknown in terms of how it's safe. Would you mind just sort of easing some of the reservations that people might have? Because obviously you've trialed it with a gig. You've safely spaced it out and it worked from what I've heard certainly worked really well. So what would you say to people that maybe want to go and watch stand up, but they're a bit reserved about about doing it at the moment? I, I, I'd say go. I don't think there are any there is there is safe as going anywhere else like a, a supermarket or anything like that that you have to do. And I think just without going too far into it, I think it's good to go to live events again for your mental health. And that's as important as buying a loaf of bread at the shops, I think. Um, I think if I can't speak for all promoters, but I definitely know from a few that I've, I know closely are doing gigs again, and you know, myself, that we made sure everything was in place that no one felt unsafe. You know, we, we very much played the game, if you like, and, and played it properly. It wasn't just hearsay. We, you know, we had different mics for each act, so there was no cross contamination. We had, um, uh, wipes cleaning stuff down we had you know um hand uh, sanitized as well for the acts available um all the benches were, were were laid out and i know um uh, jack the the owner of the venue he you know he painstakingly spent the day with a measuring tape making sure the benches were the right distance apart and everything was in place and you know we we, we said no walk-ins as well which is a weird thing for open mic comedy in in terms of you know, you had to book in advance. Usually, you know, people can turn up, pay a fiver on the door, and that's fine, and you come. But we were very, very strict on saying, you know, if you don't have a ticket, you can't come in. So it was very, it was policed well. And I'm, I'm sure 
the rest of the the comedy world will follow suit and I'm, I'm sure the live entertainment world will follow suit because no one wants to be told you're the one that ruined it for everyone and now we can't do live events ever again or oh, until you know this is definitely over because we are kind of testing the water a bit and I mean I think Boris was saying today that there's you know second wave is more than likely going to happen and so we kind of want to make the most of it while we can and not ruin it for the rest of the live entertainment world so I don't think there's any danger in going to a live event at the moment because we're all doing the best we can and and, and you know we need something we've been we've been stuck indoors for three four months um venues need some money through the door you know comedians you know the professional comedian um, you know we're in a very lucky situation the fact that we've all got day jobs as well i i, I assume you were sort of going and um, with your day job through lockdown or you yeah, released yeah. furloughed so you, you know we've we've had income but there's you know professional comedians out there who who don't have income you know gigging was their life so there needs to be some sort of middle ground where where actually we need to get back out there and start doing stuff but in a very safe manner and i think giggles in the garden which was our our event that we called it was was definitely a safe event to go and to go and see so if promoters could follow that suit i think i think we're on to a winner great answer great answer <laughs> <laughs> So obviously you are a, a comedian as well, um, but uh, in addition to that, you are also a Norwich City fan. <laughs> so I will present to you the first of our theoretical questions, which is, if you had to remove one of two players from Norwich City's history out of Darren Huckabee or Grant Holt, who would you remove and why? And I'm intrigued as to what your answer is here. I, it was tough because they're both legends. They, they really <laughs> are. Um, I, I would have to remove Darren Huckabee, I think. Um, purely because Grant Holt, I think, scored more goals against the scum, which is always a good thing. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I think Holt, he was with us a little bit longer and I think had more of an impact in terms of um trophies and stuff like that because i think we won a, a couple of league titles um well we won league one and we came you know second in the in the championship with holty uh, yeah I'd, I'd keep holty i think i'll keep grant holt okay grant holt stays darren huckabee yeah off you go off you go yeah okay um i i've got another theoretical question as well that i'm asking because and there is a norwich city link to this as well you've been furloughed I'm assuming mm -hmm. you're watching a lot of daytime television. Um, well, actually, I haven't been furloughed. I am working from home. I'm I'm working on the dining room table, um, but I still watch a low tally while I'm while I'm working. <laughs> In the background, of course, you know. In the not... background, of course, yeah, yeah, focused. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> Surely you've seen Norwich City legend Dion Dublin presenting <laughs> Homes Under the Hammer. Yes. Yes. So my question to you is, if you could present any daytime TV show, which one would you present? Oh, wow. Um, I, quite, I quite like the idea of this morning, um, just just to be close to Holly, I think. I think that's the, <laughs> that's the main aim. I think that's the only reason why I've got into comedy and, and show business is to get, to get close to Holly Willoughby's and uh, 
I think <laughs> it's made me sound really, really pervy now. But no, uh, yeah, this morning, I think, I think this morning, I think that's a, that's a really, I, again, that's like the cornerstone of, of British daytime telly, isn't it, this morning? Everyone wants to go on this morning. And so, uh, I wouldn't have to... Sorry, mate, go on. I was going to say, I, just, I wouldn't have to sort of remember what time I need to be in work because cause it would just be this morning and, and people <laughs> will know that I'm working during the morning. So. <laughs> so Martin and Holly on this morning. I like it. I like the sound of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Next question. If you could have any superpower, which would it be? Um, the ability to turn back time, I think. Oh, if I could turn back time. Yeah, if I could find a way. And (laughs) uh, yeah, no, I definitely would because then I could just relive some of Norwich City's glory days and (laughs) it would be all right. You know, we could just go back to the the time where we beat Man City 3-2 and we thought we'd be all right. And, and, And just do that over again. I'm not saying I could change the outcome of the season or anything like that, but I could just relive that day where we thought, yeah, we'll be all right, um, and and not have to live through Project Restart or we haven't won a game. <laughs> <laughs> I will forever remember that game, uh, the Norwich City game, not because of anything to do with Norwich, because mm. I went to watch that game in in a pub. I went to watch Ipswich, and uh, yeah. went to meet a few of my mates in a pub after to watch the Norwich C- City game. And the pub we were in basically had flats above it, like a balcony of flats above it. And a few lads were getting rowdy outside with a couple of the blokes on the balcony. And we were sitting outside too. And the guy that was on the balcony proceeded to throw like plastic bottles down from his balcony. As like, I think everyone thought it was a bit of a joke. And they start, the lads, 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 started chucking them back up. And uh, out of nowhere, the man on his balcony threw a massive plant pot from the balcony. <laughs> it could have killed someone. Onto the, onto the beer garden. And 20 minutes later, came down and threatened the lads, lads, lads with a knife. So I will always remember that game because that is the game that was on. And the reason I will remember it is because one of my friends, we'll call him Sam. His name isn't Sam, but we'll call him Sam. (laughs) Throughout this whole ordeal of everyone getting forced into the pub and locking the doors because there was this person outside with a knife, didn't move from his seat and didn't take his eyes off the Norwich game. (laughs) (laughs) He watched the entire game. So the ability to turn back time and relive yeah. all of Norwich's glory days, would you would you change anything in particular to do with you or the Norwich City Football Club? I called them the Norwich City Football Club. Uh, I don't think I'd change anything because at the end of the day, I think it has been... It's been interesting supporting Norwich. Just turned into a football podcast now, I realise. <laughs> um, but now it has been interesting following Norwich, and it's never a dull season. Let's put it that way. It's never a dull. We're either, either fighting for promotion or, or more realistically, fighting for relegation. And it's it's it is interesting supporting Norwich. I think possibly I'd change maybe not employing Glenn Roder as manager because um, he was shocking 
And <laughs> although, although he did go on a very good winning streak, which was, which well, I think it's like 14 games unbeaten or something like that, ridiculous. And um, I went to the final game of that run. It was Leicester away. So I think it was the first le- away game I've been to. Went with some mates. And we thought, brilliant, we, you know, I might see a, an away win on my first go. That'd be great one. Such a run. We got spanked 4 near. We had a player sent off. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sums up why I don't go to football very often, because I'm, I'm kind of an unlucky charm. Because but... you went to the Spurs game this season, didn't you? I seem to remember you did, and Danny yeah. Mark having a back and forth. What was the score then? Yeah. Was it um, another loss? That was for that one. Yeah. But then... We, you know, a couple of weeks later, we beat them in the FA Cup. So, <laughs> um, and we should have beat them at our place, but VAR. But there you go. Ah, VAR, VAR. Right. Okay. This is an unplanned one, but I think you'll like this. If we're talking okay. about Norwich bosses, who would win in a fight, Brian Gunn or Paul Lambert? Oh, um, Gunny, I think. You're saying Gunny? I, th- I think Gunny. Just he seems too nice. Yeah, but I reckon he's got a vicious streak. <laughs> whereas, whereas La- yeah whereas Lambert you know he, he gives you everything publicly and I reckon if you put him in a corner I reckon he'll bottle it whereas Gunny will just sit there quietly and just adopt the Farker <laughs> wink and then just nut him one I think <laughs> <laughs> who did Lambert try and punch last season against Norwich um, it wasn't Fark was it no it was I, I, I was either our goalkeeping or our fitness coach I can't remember it was one of the coaches and uh, yeah, but that was brilliant. I was sat in a pub watching. I obviously couldn't get tickets, and I'm not seeing Dick Holden tickets to that sort of game of like rock and roll shit. And uh, so I was sat in the pub watching it, and the whole pub erupted and wet themselves when Farker had his little wink to camera. Basically, it was <laughs> he was breaking the fourth wall in such a brilliant way. <laughs> it's, I watched it in the pub as well, um, and. The pub also erupted for a different reason, obviously yeah. supporting Paul Lambert and I think respecting the fact that he went so mental against a rival club. Yeah, <laughs> but but, that was all show. He was never going to do anything. <laughs> proper, proper handbags, wasn't it? Like over nothing as well. It, it, it's never really happened. It's always the old farm derby. And, and I think there's photos out there of... Uh, the away leg for us, Portman Road leg, where you see basically Norwich and Ipswich fans sitting next to each other. But, you know, there's not a lot separating them. There's, and it's always known as quite a friendly derby. And yeah. then the first the first time it actually properly kicks off in years is our old manager just throwing his toys out the pram. It was, it, you know, you couldn't risk it. <laughs> there you go. So he's saying Brian Gunn, yeah? Yeah, Brian Gunn. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Obviously, he wasn't the most successful manager and was replaced by Paul the same yeah. season after beating Colchester, after getting beaten by Colchester 7-1. Yeah. And then you ended up winning the league. So who's the real winner? I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, final theoretical question and then we'll chat a little bit more about some comedy. Would you rather... Every face you see be the face of Ross Kemp. So any person you meet, male, female, whatever, has the face of Ross Kemp. Or every song you hear sounds like The Cave by Mumford and Sons. But it's only you that hears it, no one else. 
Um, see, I think I have to go for the cake. I think I think seeing everyone looking like Ross Kemp would freak me out. I, I just don't. I I don't think I could do it. Um, and whereas you know I, I like music. I mean you know, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm into my music. So if I didn't have to listen to any more songs because that was all I heard, it wouldn't be a great loss. I think you know, rolling over in bed and having Ross Kemp look <laughs> may disturb me slightly. And you, you've got a child due, you know, very soon. Imagine, yeah. you know, Ross Kemp's head popping out. I mean, I mean, they, it's Winston Churchill's babies are supposed to look like, but I think Ross Kemp's got a bit of baby about him as well. Just you know, the bald <laughs> head and and the uh, this this disgruntled look that why aren't I on telly anymore? Basically, um, I just <laughs> have to go do shit documentaries. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's fine. You- I was watching one program to go off on one, but to watching like a, a drugs thing about um, people who are addicted to painkillers in the UK. Ross Kemp, another one of Ross Kemp's documentaries, and he was like, he just sort of went, painkillers are drugs and they can be addictive. It's like, no shit, Ross. <laughs> I, who, who wrote that for you? Did you come up with that yourself? I, I mean, I'm no doctor, but I could have done that one for you, mate. Just, just get off telly. Just get off. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they might be Ross. They might be addictive. I don't know whether uh, they don't really readily prescribe painkillers, do they? For that reason, so. <laughs> thank you very much, Martin Westgate. No, thank thank you for having me. It's been good chatting. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. So there we have it, Mr. Martin Westgate. Uh, really good chatting to him. Obviously, he is a. Going to be a big fan of, of Holly Willoughby and hopefully we'll see him on this morning as opposed to Holmes Under the Hammer. Uh, do feel free to follow Martin on social media. He's on Facebook and Instagram. And while you're at it, why not give Huma Comedy a follow too? Quick plug from me, Glass Eye Comedy, which is the promotion that I co-run with Danny Mark and Louis Green, are back Thursday the 27th of August. We're at the Cock and Pie for a free night of stand-up comedy. Socially distanced, everything is is well thought out, so it's completely safe. Follow Martin's advice, go and watch some local comedy, it's completely free of charge. You'll have me, Louis Green, Danny Mark, Jason Stamp, Trevor Bickles, Leslie Gold, Rob Knighton, and a very good friend of mine, Mr. Jake Steers. This has been Smiling Politely, and I will be with you again next week where I'll be interviewing Glass Eye Comedy for the season finale. See you then.